Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Men Insights Podcast. Hopefully this will not get fucked up when I upload it onto YouTube and everywhere else. Because last time I tried uploading a podcast on here, I was doing a one hour review on the Uncharted series, which I've been talking about for about two months now. And I finally recorded it, and then once I tried to upload it, the file was fucked up. And yeah, so hopefully I won't have to worry about any issues with this. So yes, this is episode 108 of the Minutes podcast, and this episode is all about gimmick matches in professional wrestling. Uh, I'm going to try to do more wrestling podcasts going forward. Uh, Again, God willing, if this stupid thing will upload. Uh, That's why I'm trying to get a new computer so that I won't have issues like this anymore. But, you know... We'll see how it goes with this one. But anyways, yes, gimmick matches in professional wrestling is a long, long history, good and bad, of matches in professional wrestling with little gimmicks. Now, for those that are not familiar with professional wrestling that are watching this or listening to this, uh, gimmicks, gimmick matches are, it's, it can be either a theme, like a specific theme to, to a match, or an added stipulation to a regular wrestling match, um, which again, if you're if you are a wrestling fan, you already know all that stuff. You don't you don't need me to explain any of that to you, and especially some of the f- recent friends that I've made since my appearance on the Wonder Friends uh, live stream uh, a little over a week ago at this point. Uh, well, you know, by the time this goes up, it will have been in one week. But anyways, I'm rambling on. Uh, yes, gimmick matches. Like I said, it has, has a long-standing history uh, with a lot of good and a lot of bad. Uh, and cause with gimmick matches, some of them can be specific to a, res- a certain wrestler or certain groups of wrestlers and are often identified most with specific wrestlers as well. And sometimes it's just created for the sake of creating something fresh and brand new. And... Yeah, like and and even if you're watching this on YouTube, which again, hopefully this will upload. I'm wearing the Andre the Giant T-shirt that I got from the mystery uh, grab bag from Pro Wrestling Tees, and it's very fitting that I'm wearing this because Andre the Giant was the king of the battle royal uh, in his career, and a battle royal is where there's multiple men or women in the in a ring at one time, and whoever is the last person. In the ring, you know, after eliminating your opponents over the top rope, is the winner. And Andre the Giant, uh, his whole thing is that he was undefeated in Battle Royals. So, that's why he's the king of the Battle Royal. And, like I said, perfect and very fitting that I'm wearing this t-shirt while I'm recording this. And, you know, Battle Royal is probably probably the, one of the oldest... Uh, gimmick matches that I can that I'm that can think of in professional wrestling, and at the same time, it's also kind of one of the laziest because like if you want to just get a bunch a bunch of wrestlers onto your show, simple solution, battle royal, and sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's exciting. You know, like at WrestleMania, they ha- they have the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal where they just throw in whoever is not on the main card, they just throw them in there, and you know whoever wins it wins it, and. Sometimes it's it's exciting, like where the first one at WrestleMania 30, uh, where Cesaro won the inaugural Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and then uh, the year after that was Big Show, and the year after that was Baron Corbin, and we've seen how his where his career has gone since then. Uh, you know, the 
depending on your perspective, it, his career has gone up or it's gone down. And then uh, the following year after that one uh, was uh, Mojo Raleigh, uh, when uh, I, be I believe that was the one with, uh, with Rob Gronkowski uh, showed up. I believe that is the one. Yeah, that was the one with Rob Gronkowski, I think, right? That he came in and assisted him. Um, and if I'm wrong, sorry. But and then also there was Matt Hardy, and then the the one for WrestleMania 35. I don't remember who won that one. Honestly, I couldn't couldn't care less. I didn't pay much attention to that because yeah, WrestleMania 35, including the pre-show at 5 p.m. Eastern time, went all the way to 12:30 at night. That was a seven and a half hour show. Fuck. Uh, I mean, and I've seen people, you know, all over Twitter complaining about Zack Snyder's Justice League being a four-hour movie. I could sit through a four-hour movie. I can't sit through seven, seven and a half hours of WrestleMania where only four matches are actually worth watching in that entire time span. Um, which is why I'm glad that just like WrestleMania 36, WrestleMania 37 is going to be split into two nights so that I can actually breathe and enjoy myself during these matches. Um, but anyways, yes, gimmick matches. The the other, like with like I said, Battle Royale, it's very, it's, 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 it can be exciting, but it can also be very lazy, because again, it's, it's an easy way to just throw everybody on, on the roster, onto the show, so that, hey, at least you were on the show tonight, and, but, you know, but then, like, you know, kind of a, a spinoff, if you, if you can say that, of the Battle Royale, is the Royal Rumble match, that was the brainchild of, you know, the late Pat Patterson, who recently passed away, that, rather than just a traditional battle royal where everybody's in the starts in the ring at the same time that it would start off with two two men or two women now and in different and at different intervals of you know like one minute or a minute and a half or you know 90 seconds uh, another opponent will enter the match until all 30 participants have entered and then just like with the regular battle world, the last person standing after everyone is thrown over the top rope, both feet touching the floor, is the winner. And the concept of the Royal Rumble match for WWE is whoever is the last person standing, they get their you know world title shot at WrestleMania, and you know, and that's a, always an exciting thing. And it and it is and it is you know WrestleMania season right now. We are on the on the road to the Royal Rumble. Uh, I believe once when I upload this, it'll be Royal Rumble will be next week because this is going up on the twenty fourth. Royal Rumble's on the thirty first, so that's going to be exciting. Although I haven't really been watching Raw and SmackDown uh, during these last few weeks, I tried watching Raw, uh, the first Raw of the year. It was the Legends Night, and honestly, I just I tuned it out after after the first five minutes. So. Yeah, but after starting at starting from the Raw after the Royal Rumble, I'm going to try my best to keep up with Raw and SmackDown leading up to WrestleMania, and then after that we'll see how I feel, uh, because just I love wrestling, I love WWE, just and and AEW, it's just I'm I've just been my, it's not that my I'm losing my passion or anything for wrestling, it's just not a lot of what is going on has excited me that much. Although I am very much into the storyline with Roman Reigns, uh, I'm very curious to see how that's going to play out with him fighting uh, Adam Pearce for the for the uh, Universal Title at the Royal Rumble. Which hey, anyone that's making fun of it and thinking Adam Pearce is you know he, it's whatever, 
He's a multi-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion for a reason. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a he's a very much a slept-on world champion that not a lot of fans give him credit for. But although that's not his fault, he was world champion when NWA was in their re, you know at the when they were not as hot as as they were when NWA Power came up. Um, um, but anyways, yeah, um, so many different gimmick matches that sometimes are specific to different promotions or and whatever. Like you know, again, the concept of the Royal Rumble is a WWE inv- invention, and another one is the Elimination Chamber. That was an invention of the WWE, where it's you know, yeah, structure surrounding the ring. You know, the original structure was like a, a domed, you know, cage with chains. Um, and four pods, where different where the different people come in at random uh, five minute intervals, and they enter the match, and each person is eliminated until we have a winner. And I still say, best elimination chamber match is at was from Survivor Series 2002, the very first one. I have the poster right there on my wall. Very first elimination chamber match: Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, Booker T, Kane, <clears throat> Rob Van Dam. Still the best Elimination Chamber match, in my opinion. And I would probably say a close second. Maybe the the World Heavyweight title Chamber match from No Way Out 2009, the where Edge weaseled his way into it and won that match. To me, at least. This is just my opinion. I only, I only speak for myself. I don't speak for anybody else on here. Um, but yeah, just my opinion. I would, I would consider that to be the second uh, greatest Elimination Chamber match. Um, and, and, like, other, you know, speaking on, like, the whole structure of, you know, surrounding structure and cages, there's the steel cage match as well. That, that one, I don't know, I I don't know for sure where it originated, but that's a, a basic match that every wrestling promotion all over the world has adopted at at some point or another in different variations of it. You know, like there's the you know traditional chain link fence that every promotion uses, uh, and then you know of course in the 80s and 90s the WWE had what they called the big big blue, where it was the the big steel bar cage that was painted blue, but then they had it, um, and for the Austin versus McMahon St Valentine's Day Massacre pay per view in 1999 that one was painted painted black, and I believe that was the last time that they used the that that version of the seal cage because then they went back to the mesh uh cage that they've been using ever since then and and also like like in like impact I remember, or T, TNA at the time that they boasted of having the tallest steel cage in professional wrestling i don't remember exactly how tall it was but if i remember correctly it's like again if you're watching on youtube which most of you do the like the the top rope would be like right here and then the top of the cage would be like there it's like it would like the top of the, ca- the height of the cage would be like as tall as the as the hell in a cell is, but it's just a regular steel cage, and um, you know, and that was a cool a cool little gimmick that you know TNA had had on for them, uh, and then when they when they started using the six sided ring, they had they had the the new version of the steel cage, the six sides of steel, which was, which was really exciting, and I I I miss when TNA and Impact Wrestling. He used to have the six-sided ring because that was their, that was what helped, that was what made them stand out in professional wrestling at the time. 
Because every promotion has the basic, you know, four-sided ring, where it's whether it's a sixteen by sixteen by sixteen, eighteen by eighteen, or in WWE's case, twenty by twenty. Um, every promotion has that. It's, you know, that doesn't really stand out much. But ha- them having the six-sided ring, that was their trademark, and that's what made them stand out. That's that was their. I'm trying to think of the right word for that. Um. I don't want to say legacy, although you can consider it part of. You can consider it a significant part of their legacy. Um, I I don't know. I can't really think of the right word. Maybe like it's like it's right at the tip of my tongue. I hate when that happens. Don't you hate when that happens? Um, but yeah, the the six sided ring and the six sides of steel was their trademark, and you know they had a period off and on where they stopped using it when when Hogan was part of uh, TNA for those few years they stopped using the six-sided ring and had only the 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 four-sided ring uh, which you know that's a whole other mess with Hogan and Bischoff tried to run the creative of, of TNA for those four years yeah did not really work out so well I mean I mean they did have some good some highlights sprinkled in here and there but those those were not great years in in the history of that company which it's crazy next year T- impact wrestling at tna nwa tna total not stop action impact professional wrestling whatever celebrating 20 years next year they will be celebrating 20 years as a company that is amazing and everyone kept saying they were going to go out of business any day now fans are starting to say that about aew as well um but yeah Impact Wrestling, that company has, next year will be 20 years in existence. That is amazing. Especially as so many other companies that have come and gone since then. Like, no, like ECW didn't even last as long as as, as, as Impact has, has lasted. Think about that. Um, you know, as, as Extreme Championship Wrestling and and World Championship Wrestling, once it broke away from, from the NWA. Those two companies did not last as long as Impact Wrestling has. And, you know, it, 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 that just says a lot. But anyways, I'm going a little off topic there. Um, yeah, see, I started talking about steel cage matches, and then I go on a whole rant about the existence of, of Impact Wrestling as a company. <laughs> um, but yeah, the other forms of the steel cage matches, like there's the barbed wire steel cage that uh, WWE had, I think, one time only, for Big Show versus JBL at No Way Out 2005, which... I mean, when they announced it, people, fans were excited. <coughs> Excuse me, fans were excited about that because it was going to be razor wire on top of the this this the steel cage. And that was going to be cool. All the promos and vignettes that they showed—that's what it was. But then when the pay-per-view finally arrives, the steel beams that they had on top of the cage that they always have when they lower it down from the ceiling—they put the razor wire on top of that, and it's just like really, it's like. So now, now we, it's like, uh, it was it was a disappointment that match. It it really was, and another and another version of the steel cage, the Punjabi prison match, which I mean on paper the concept of it is pretty cool. I mean, you know, it's, it's two cages made of barb not barb I was gonna say barbed wire, bamboo, which is pretty fucking hard, and it hurts if you've ever been hit by it, and it's very hard to break. Where it's like they have one little cage structure right there, um, surrounding the ring immediately like a regular seal cage, and then they have a larger, you know, thing 
on the outside, kind of like a Hell in a Cell, but there's no roof. And the whole object of it is you have to escape the first cage and then escape the second cage. Which, yeah, kind of sounds a little silly, but, you know, the whole, the, it, it can it can be an exciting match. I mean, they've, they've had three Punjabi prison matches. The first one, it was supposed to be Undertaker and, and Great Kali, but it, during that summer is when it, they had this weird outbreak of everybody having elevated liver enzymes, so a lot of people had to get pulled out of shows and pay-per-views, and they replaced Kali with Big Show to fight Undertaker, and the match was eh. It wasn't that great. But then the next year, it was at No Mercy uh, 2007. Uh, yeah, Undertaker and Big Show, that was at Great American Bash 2006. Uh, at No Mercy 2007, it was Batista versus Great Khali. And that that one was actually a pretty good match, surprisingly. I mean, cons- when you really consider Great Khali's uh, limitations in the ring, um, you know, Batista really carried that match. And that one was actually a pretty good match. Um yeah, because one of the things that like on the top of the cage, like there's like there's supposed to be, there was like little spikes on top of it, like and this is the, the outer cage I believe, uh, not the one that's complete surrounding the ring. And the other thing also like they had like little four like like doggy door kind of cages that you that when you that the referee would open it up and you have like a, I think like a 15 second window to try to escape through there, and then if you don't, it shuts and then that you can't you can't use those. And I remember the one with with a Kali and, and Batista, that neither of them were able to escape out of those four little 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 tiny cages or little doggy door things. So they had to climb over the bamboo cage to get to the other bamboo cage, um, and yeah, and that did make it a little more exciting. And then they had the other one it was um, uh, Jinder Mahal versus uh, Randy Orton at Battleground in 2017. I did not see that one, so I don't I can't say. You know, I can't really speak on the quality of that match in particular, but I'm, I've heard it was a pretty good match. I mean, you know, it's Randy Orton. He's a legend. He'll be, you know, celebrating 20 years in WWE next year as well. Uh, although, like, his, his when he, he started in OVW was, I think, around 2000, 2001. So, as a professional wrestler, he's been in, in it for 20, for 20 years already. Um, but anyways, um, and John Cena next year. John Cena will be celebrating 20 years, and I already have it marked on my schedule for 2000 for 2022 that I'll be celebrating the 20th anniversary of John Cena. Yes, I already had that on my schedule. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, and and also I can go on a whole thing about Jinder Mahal as WWE champion during that time. But I'll save that for another discussion, another time. Uh, maybe I'll even have somebody, you know, on here if I can make that happen and figure out how to make that happen. I'll do that. And yeah, and then the you know, one of the other, like going back to with a uh, with Impact, um, the they have the the lockdown pay per view where the all, the entire show, every match is inside the steel cage, the six sides of steel, or at least it used to be the six sides of steel, and. I've watched. I've. I've only watched two of them that I can. That I can watching the whole paper. The whole pay per view. I mean, the, and it was the first one was two thousand seven, and they had a different kind of cage for this one because one of the matches was supposed to be Team Three D versus LAX in an electrified cage match, so they had to have a different kind of cage. That it was of course you know, sorry to to ruin the magic. It was not actually an electrified cage. It, they would just flash the lights and make a buzzing sound all over the arena, which is just so stupid. Because really, if 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 it was a legitimately legitimate electrified fence, 
they would all, they all would have died within seconds of the thing starting. So, yeah, they didn't really think that one through. And then when you th also when you think about it, it was kind of a racist match because the only reason they had an electrified cage is because you got a Hispanic team involved in the match. You know, and they were talking about putting up, you know, locking the the whole build up to it was about putting up electrified fences on the border. So, yeah, it was kind of a racist story. But again, that's another topic for another day. Um and even the match and the match itself was also boring as fuck, honestly. Um which is really not the fault of the people involved. It was homicide on uh, uh Sean Hernandez and you know, Brother Ray, Brother Devon, as they were known when they were part of TNA, because they couldn't legally use but the, the Dudley name uh, once they left WWE, because WWE owns those names. Uh, yeah. I mean, but the, the, that, that pay-per-view itself was actually pretty decent. Uh, they have the Lethal Lockdown main event for as, as the highlight of, of the lockdown shows that they always do, where it's the Six Sides of Steel, and they have two teams, like, one is the heel team, the other is the, is the babyface team. Kind of like, you know, the old war game matches from, from that the NWA used to have. Um, and they, each person would enter every few minutes. I think it's like every five minutes. Kind of like Elimination Chamber, but except, you know, it's a different teammates. And at once all the participants are in there, then they lower down a roof. For, from the, from, from the, for the cage that has, like, weapons attached to it. And... You know that they say now the lethal lockdown begins, which again, kind of very much taken from the concept of the war games match, uh, which I honestly didn't even put together until just now while while talking about it. So yeah, there you go, um, and yeah, and then I, the the other lockdown pay per view that I watched was in two thousand nine, where that one was actually main evented with Sting and Mick Foley for the TNA World Heavyweight Title, and that one was a pretty good pay per view as well. I don't remember too much of it. I uh, just mainly remember the the main event where, you know, that Mick Foley won the the world the TNA World Title fighting Sting, um, and I think as yeah Foley was supposed to be a heel at the time, and and uh, or what was he supposed to be a heel? Cause, Cause I know Sting was at the time still technically part of the main event mafia thing, so I don't know. But anyways, yeah, yeah. So yeah, those, those and then like the other cage matches like you know that czw has their version of a cage match that i mean i'm not a fan of czw at all so i can't really comment on what they got um uh, i mean the kennel from hell that they did in 1999 at, Un at unforgiven al snow versus big boss man where it was the big blue steel cage and then they had the hell in a cell over that and then they had dogs surrounding the ring and again on paper, sounds like a good concept, but <laughs> oh, the dogs that they had, they were, they were not, they didn't do what the WWE wanted them to do, where they wanted them to be like vicious guard dogs type of dogs, but no, they were, they were sleeping, they were pissing, they were pooping, they were humping, they were doing everything that they didn't want them to do, which just made it, made the match entertaining for all the wrong reasons. And again, not the fault of the people involved. It's just, it is what it is. I guess that's why. I guess that's why they say in entertainment, never work with children, never work with animals. And you know, that's a good example of why not to work with animals. Um, but you know, I love animals, so I, I wouldn't have given a shit about that. But 
And and of course, the Hell in a Cell match as well. One of the biggest and most famous cage matches that has honest, has just lost all its flavor and excitement since they made it an official pay-per-view now. Where it's, you know, rather than, you know, the excitement of, oh, we're going to get a Hell in a Cell match. You know, oh, the, you know, it's going to be the big ending to this story. Now it's, you know... You know, every year, September or October, they're gonna they're gonna have the Hell in a Cell pay per view. It's like, okay, so which one of these people are gonna fight in the Hell in a Cell? You know, it's like it's not as exciting anymore. I mean, when it, when they when it was first happened with Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker at Bad Blood 1997, which I have my classic wrestling pay per view review on the archives saved on there. Uploaded that in 19 sorry I was gonna say 1999 2019. Oi. Uh, it's been a long week for me. Sorry, been a long, busy week at work. My mind's a little fuzzy, and also I had an eye exam on Friday, so um, my eyes are still a little funky, and maybe that's messing me up a little bit too. Um, um, that's also why I'm not wearing glasses currently. If you're watching me on the video, I'll be getting new prescription. Um, it should be arriving. If I remember on the receipts, that earliest would be on the 29th, so this Friday. But anyways, um, yeah, the very first Hell in a Cell match, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker at Bad Blood, which is old, which is the debut of Glenn Jacobs as Kane, and the the buildup with the Hell in a Cell is because they had Undertaker and Shawn Michaels had their match at the Ground Zero in your ass pay-per-view the month before that ended in a no contest with a lot of a lot of outside interference and other shit like that. So, you know, rather than, you know, traditional cage match of, key, you know, keeping everybody out, so they have the Hell in a Cell so that they can keep everything in while keeping everything else out. And it was an awesome match. A lot of people still consider it to be the best Hell in a Cell match. And, you know, I can't really disagree with that. And I've and I've said it many times that my favorite, my, what I believe to be the top three Hell in a Cell matches, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels versus Triple H, Triple H versus Undertaker. Just my opinion. Others will disagree. Others are gonna say Undertaker and Mankind from King of the Ring 1998 is gonna be the, is the greatest Hell in a Cell match. And yes, while that is definitely the most iconic Hell in a Cell match and will go down in history as just like how the fuck is McFoley still alive after that? If you take out the, the being thrown off the off the kit, the cell onto the table, and if you take out being thrown through the cell into the ring, and even and even and even take out the thumbtack spot. What do you really have? Seriously, um, yeah. Not not to talk shit about you know what they both contributed to that match because again, Mick Foley, for all intents and purposes, should should have he should have died that night. You know, and I'm not saying that to be funny or to be an asshole. For all intents and purposes, the way he was thrown off that cell and went through that table, and the way he fell through the cell into the ring with the chair landing right on his face. He, he, he should have been dead. So, yeah. And even under, even Undertaker has said it in, in interviews that when, when, when Mick went through the cell and he was looking down from, from there, his, his whole, his, he, I think he's, it was on the, one of the Broken Skull sessions. I think it was the second, the second one that he was, that he did, that he said that he was just looking at him, just waiting for him to, to make some kind of movement to let him know he's still alive. And it's just like, Fuck. Fuck, uh, and if you haven't checked that out, please check out the both of the Undertaker's Broken Skull session interviews on WWE Network because they they are awesome. 
And, you know, while on the subject of Undertaker, other gimmick matches that are associated with Undertaker, the Buried Alive match that they've, uh, I think only have had five that I can remember off the top of my head. The very first one with Mankind at, at Buried Alive in Your House 1996, which I say is the best Buried Alive match. Um, and it's honestly, the, it's, it's, I think that's the one mo- everyone always remembers the most because... You know, not a lot of people remember a lot the other ones really, because the one that the next one they had after that was uh, at the rock bottom in your house pay per view in 1998 with Undertaker and Stone Cold. Not a lot of people talk about that one, uh, and, and I don't think I've even actually watched that match b- before. You know, I haven't. I've, I never saw the rock bottom pay per view, so I can't really comment on that either. But, um, but yeah, I'm. But that's the thing. Also, the funny thing also with all the buried alive matches, no matter. Who won the match? Undertaker always ended up buried alive at the end. Well, except for the one that they had. It was the tag team buried alive match. On SmackDown, it was Undertaker and Big Show against Rock and Sock Connection for the tag team titles. And that one was actually a pretty good match, too. The highlight of it that I always remember is because they had this, the buried alive the buried alive set, set right next to the SmackDown stage. And a Big Show took Man- Mankind and flung him from, from the stage. Boom. Bounced off, off the... The, the the fake grass and into the grave and oh it, it every time I see that clip it looks like it hurts so much uh, and again another example of how is McFoley still alive <laughs> um and honestly just in, on the subject of McFoley all the things that he's done in his career all the 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 explosion matches in Japan barbed wires bar um, thumbtacks bed of nails um and all these different matches and bumps that he's taken in his career, how he's not in worse health than he current than he than he has been. I know he was diagnosed with COVID nineteen, you know, but I mean like talking about other stuff like physical health, not just not not just you know the internal medical stuff. I mean, uh, just everything else. Like it's it's just amazing that he when he officially retired from professional wrestling that he was not in worse shape, honestly. The fact that he was not paralyzed from anything that he did in any of these matches is just amazing, and uh, and it was the other buried alive matches, uh, Undertaker and Vince McMahon Survivor Series 2003, uh, which that one the only the whole purpose of that match because it was a one sided match Undertaker beat the shit out of Vince the entire time, the whole purpose of that match was just to build up to him to Undertaker and Kane at WrestleMania 20 where they were gonna reintroduce the Dead Man again, uh, which was that that was cool. And eventually I'll get to WrestleMania 20 as part of my retro film reviews. Not sure when I'm going to do it. Maybe I'll do it on the 20th anniversary of WrestleMania 20. That'll be that'll be a fun one to do. Um, and then Kane and Undertaker at the, I believe it's the Bragging Rights 2010 pay-per-view. Where Nexus came in and um, helped Kane win that. Which there was never any payoff to that. Which really disappoints me, but it is what it is. And 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 still again, involving the Undertaker because Undertaker has been part of so many gimmick matches and 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 you know and the the Buried Alive match that's another one that uh not Buried Alive Boiler Room Brawl God the see my mind is all fucked up the the Boiler Room Brawl um that SummerSlam 1996 and and they haven't had that many bear but Boiler Room Brawl matches I mean they've had they had that one. And I think the only other one they had was Mankind and Big Show at Backlash 1999. 
I don't remember too much about that one. I just remembered at some some point, whatever happened, something that happened, that Foley's hand was cut up and bloody, and he had a bloody handprint on the door uh, as he was leaving the boiler room. Uh, but yeah, the SummerSlam 1996 boiler room brawl with Mankind and Undertaker. Again, the best boiler room brawl match that they've had. And that was only the turning point of the long-standing rivalry of Undertaker and Mankind, because that is where Paul Bearer turned on The Undertaker. Um, and, yeah, un- yeah, that's, that's, yeah, Undertaker and Mankind, they, they had a lot of gimmick matches in their career. They, they had the Boiler Room Brawl, they had Buried Alive, they had the Hell in a Cell. Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised that the Casket match is another one, Undertaker match. I'm surprised Mankind and Undertaker never had a Casket match. Um, and there's been a lot of Casket matches, and Honestly, I don't know how many of them Undertaker has actually won. Because they ripped the first one against Kamala where they were calling it a coffin match. And then he had the two matches with Yokozuna where he lost the first one at Royal Rumble 94. And that's where he ascended into the heavens. Uh, you know, with Marty Jannetty dressed in the Undertaker costume from behind the, 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 the Titan Tron screen. Um, and they had their rematch at Survivor Series 94 where Undertaker won that one. And then they had the casket match against Kama at SummerSlam 95. And then another casket match against Mabel at In Your House December 1995. And casket match against Goldust at Beware of Dog, which I covered Beware of Dog in the archives on here as well. Uh, So yeah, Kamala against... Kamala, Yokozuna, Yokozuna. Oh, and Jerry Lawler. There's a he had a he had a casket match with Jerry Lawler that I remembered on the buried the Undertaker. He buries them alive VHS tape that I used to have. That that was one of the matches featured on there. That's one of the less very very lesser known casket matches in WWE's history that I don't think a lot of people even realize ever existed. Uh, but my brothers and I we know because we remember we remember things like that. Yeah, uh, Kamala, Yokozuna, Yokozuna, Jerry Lawler. Kama, Mabel, Goldust, and Shawn Michaels at the 98 Royal Rumble, where Kane set the casket on fire, and that built up to their match at WrestleMania 14. Um, oh, shit, what's the other one? Uh, I feel like I'm forgetting another one that happened very close to that. Um, uh, I know then there was a Kane and Triple H on an episode of Raw, that was leading up to Survivor Series 2002. Um, and uh, Undertaker versus Randy Orton and Cowboy Bob Orton at No Mercy 2005. Um, Undertaker and Big Show, Survivor Series 2008. Um, uh, yeah, I can't, re- I can't really remember, honestly. Oh yeah, against Mark Henry, it's WrestleMania twenty-two. Um, yeah, I feel like the, I feel like I'm forgetting some, but I can't. I don't. I don't know. I feel like there's been. I feel like there's been more casket matches. I just can't remember them. Um, hmm. Heidenreich, Royal Rumble two thousand five. That's another one I forgot. I, I think that's another one a lot of people seem to forget as well because it's Heidenreich. Um, uh, um, things like with the casket match, most of the times the casket match is is really more just like another, 
especially when Undertaker loses them. It's just like another way of having Undertaker go off and then come back and like a different variation of the character that he already was. Um, honestly, that's what most of these things were. Like like with every Bader Live match, Undertaker came back slightly different. And when he After the Bader Live match with Mankind, Undertaker came back and he was wearing the, the black leather. Had the Buried Alive match with Austin, came back and had the Ministry of Darkness. Uh, Buried Alive match with Vince, came back as the Dead Man. Buried Alive match with Kane, and didn't come back until he to until uh, February 2011 to fight to fight Triple H at WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, with the Hell in a Cell match, just yeah, the excitement of. You know, saying like, oh, you two are going to fight in a hell in a cell. And it was, you know, again, it used to be so exciting. You know, like Triple H and Cactus Shack, No Way Out, 2000. Uh, Brock Lesnar Undertaker, No Mercy, 2002. Uh, Shawn Michaels and Triple H from Bad Blood, 2004. Uh, Triple H and Batista was, was, a, was a pretty good one, too. Uh, Randy Orton and Undertaker. Um, Batista and Undertaker. Edge and Undertaker. But then from 2009 to now, it's been every year they have the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view where you get at least two Hell in a Cell matches, and it's just the excitement isn't there anymore. And I mean, the mat they've, they've they've still had good matches, but it's just the excitement of oh shit, we're gonna get a Hell in a Cell match. It's, it's just not it's just not there anymore. Um, honestly, I think the last time that I got excited like holy shit, they're gonna have a Hell in a Cell match was Triple H and Undertaker for WrestleMania 28. Uh, well, I mean, that was when Shane and Undertaker for WrestleMania 32. That was pretty exciting, too, but I don't know. It's just, yeah, like, every, knowing every year we're going to get the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, it's just, it just, again, it takes the, the excitement away. I mean, although, like I said, they've had some good ones. Like, I enjoyed Bailey and Sasha from Hell in a Cell last year. That was a great one. Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. I mean, both of the matches that, they, that them two had, I loved very much. Especially with, the, with how... Like how they they added the I quit stipulation to that to their Hell in a Cell match was I thought was pretty cool I I really like that mm. and other ma- uh, Inferno match that's another one that Undertaker is associated with as well um, yeah he had two Inferno matches with Kane Kane had an Inferno match with Triple H and he also had an Inferno match with MVP. Uh, he had the Ring of Fire match with with uh, Bray Wyatt. Uh, I mean, again, that's another one where, like, the first one is the best one. You know, but the ma- the one that he had with MVP was pretty cool too. I mean, that the Armageddon two thousand six pay per view was pretty damn good. Um, and also that that's where they had the the, the tag team ladder match. Ladder match is another one that's been a, a is a very exciting match that every wrestling promotion has. Uh, I mean, it was. I don't know if it was originated in Cal- in a Calgary Stampede back in the 70s, um, but I remember when the, when I had the the DVD for for the ladder match best of ladder match the DVD that WWE had in 2007, and that that was that was the er- the oldest match that they featured on there, um, but I mean of course the ladder match really became a a sensation when in WWE. Uh, in the 90s, which, you know, the first one, the first ladder match that ever happened in WWE was Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, but it was Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 10 that really put the ladder match on the map, and then they had their rematch at SummerSlam 95, um, and there was a couple of years where we didn't really get any ladder matches, 
Um, and then one of, one of my favorite ladder matches, I think it actually is my absolute favorite ladder match, Triple H and The Rock at SummerSlam 98, which again, I covered that on Classic Wrestling Pay-Per-View, so you can check that one out if you want to. Um, and what is another? Oh yeah, the, tri- the the tag team ladder match, the first ever one at No Mercy 1999 with Edge and Christian versus the Hardy Boys, where that one was the turning point of what of what the ladder matches would become in years after that. And then we had, the, and then they upped the ante even more with the triangle ladder match with the Dudleys at WrestleMania 2000. And then we had the TLC match at SummerSlam that year, and the TLC two at WrestleMania 17, which. That one's coming up, my classic wrestling pay-per-view, uh, in a few months. Um, yeah, because this year is the 20th anniversary of WrestleMania 17. So, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, April of classic wrestling pay-per-view is going to be WrestleMania 17. So, be, be sure to check that one out. Um, and, yes, yeah, so I'm trying to think of like other ladder matches and TLC matches that, they, that, have, that have been around. Um... And, uh, oh yeah, RVD and Jeff Hardy from SummerSlam 2001, which should have been a much better match, but, you know, that SummerSlam, they had a lot of mistakes going on, honestly. It was during the Invasion storyline, which, um, yeah, but, you know, there have been some exciting ladder matches and not so exciting ones. Like, there was the, the, the TLC match at the Raw, the first ever Raw Roulette, that was really exciting for the, for the Raw Tag Team titles, um, um, what else? Uh, oh yeah, Eddie Guerrero, Rob Van Dam ladder match for the Intercontinental title. That one was pretty fun. Uh, I'm trying to think of another really good ladder match that uh, doesn't really get enough talk. Talk because uh, so so many so many of these matches that people just love so much and they don't do enough of them. Um, you know, and the Money in the Bank ladder match is the is in the other spinoff of the ladder matches. That you know was a WrestleMania tradition for a long time until then it became its own pay per view again. Which again, that's you know when when they have these exciting match concepts and then they turn them into their own to its own pay per view, it takes away the allure of the match itself. In my opinion, I I don't know. I mean, there's there there have been some exciting Money in the Bank matches on the Money in the Bank pay per view, but again, when you give it its own when you give the gimmick match its own pay per view, the excitement of the match itself kind of loses its its flavor in my opinion i mean it, it does for me i don't know if it does for anybody else same with the, with the tlc pay-per-view where you get the tables matches ladder match and tlc match it's like when you know that you're going to get the match automatically it takes away the excitement of having the match itself oh. but it is what it is I don't know. I just wonder, like, who was the one that decided? Hey, let's just give all these gimmick matches their own ma- their own pay per view. You know, Extreme Rules, which is just you know any n- any version of a no DQ match is basically what it is. So like you could, like the Extreme Rules pay per views could be a street fight, could be a last man standing match, could be a you know no holds barred match, which is the same thing. Um, you know, could be a cage match, could be any kind of match, and just. Yeah, I don't know. Like a lot, cause they, I think like Shawn Michaels said it in his in his in his first book years ago, that the match that he had with um Diesel at the April '96 uh in your house pay per view, the Good Friends Better Enemies, that that because it was at that time WWE 
WWF at the time, they were not doing like a lot of the hardcore stuff, so they did quite a little bit of it on in that match, and they were saying you know like any like anything in wrestling, they they saw the, they saw that the people loved it and they drove it right into the ground kind of thing. I'm paraphrasing. It's been a long time since I've read that book, um, and it's 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 the truth. So many of these different gimmick matches that, and I know I'm forgetting a lot of them uh, right now, but. It's true, like so many of these different matches that were ex- used to be so exciting because they happened very few and far in between, and now because they happen almost every week on almost every wrestling show, the excitement just isn't there anymore. At least not for me. I mean, I mean, if 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 you're still excited about about all these matches happening, no matter how often that they happen, then that's awesome. I'm happy for you. I hope you love them. But it's just it's just for me, like, like I can't get excited. You know, for for these for a no DQ match, when there's when there's one pretty much ever happening every week, I can't get excited for it. <clears throat> like I, like I can't get excited for a ladder match or a TLC match or a tables match, knowing that I'm going to automatically get those on on the 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 December pay per view. You know, I can't get excited for a Hell in a Cell match, knowing that I'm going to get at least two of them on the Hell in a Cell pay per view. You know. I mean, I could, I, I could, I still get excited for the Royal Rumble match because that's, you know, that's the the kickoff on the for the Road to WrestleMania. That that's a gimmick match that I can still get excited for. But the other ones, just, you know, if they had, if they just did them fewer and fewer, then it can be great. You know, if they did it like once in a while, not doing them all the time, then that would be great. You know. Like the Boneyard match from last year's WrestleMania with Undertaker and AJ Styles, they're probably never gonna do one ever again because that's Undertaker's final match, and I hope that they never do because I would I I would be so happy for that to be the one and only match of its uh, that they do like that because really who else are you gonna do it with if you're not gonna have the Undertaker? Yeah, but it's just it's better that it stays one and done, you know. But in professional wrestling, you know, everything everything is is they always do everything over and over again. And like I always would go back to this quote from Ted DiBiase: "Everything has been done in wrestling and overdone, because it has." And like I said, I know I'm forgetting a lot of different gimmick matches. You know, and some of them that I'm not forgetting, I just don't really care to discuss them honestly. Um. Like the King of the Mountain match from Impact, where it's kind of a, a reverse ladder match, where you have to climb the ladder and hang the belt instead of climbing climbing up and taking the belt down. Uh, I mean, some of them were pretty exciting. I'm not gonna lie, I I saw a few of them. They were pretty fun, but mm, I don't know. <sighs> you know, it's just too many gimmicks. That that's that's the problem. That's the big problem with wrestling. Too many gimmicks. Too many gimmicks, too, too close. Too many gimmick matches happening too close to each other that there, there's no uniqueness and no excitement to them anymore. But that's just how I feel. Let me know how you all feel you know, by either by tweeting me on my social media, you know, either on Twitter or Instagram or Vero, Snapchat, you know, or if you ha- if you're friends with me on Facebook, you can check me out on there. You know, on any of the social media, you can just type in Fositude in the search. And let me pull up the 
thing right here. So that if you're watching this on YouTube, which again, most of you do, you know, if you type in Fositude in the search and you see that thumbnail, that's me. Um, again, you can find you'll find that on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Vero, Snapchat. Um, yeah, just if you want to follow me on any of those, you can do so. The direct links will be in the description for all of those, except my Facebook. I'm very I'm trying to be more careful with who I add on there. Um, and yeah, that's that's gonna do it for this episode of the Manatites podcast. If it wasn't already clear enough at this point, um, yeah, support me on Patreon, one dollar a month. If you'd like to, you don't have to. I understand that you know money's a little tight for a lot of people right now, and it's tight for me too as well. So I get it. Um, you can, but if you know if you if you're happy to spend freely, you can support me by purchasing a shirt from my store. That link is in the description of this episode. I have some fun T-shirt designs in there. I just recently debuted a straight edge T-shirt after I did my straight edge episode a few weeks ago. Um, also, a few of the links that I have still in the description: the Autumn Snyder Tribute Fund. And we're very very close to that fifty thousand dollar goal. You know, so if you can, any any little bit counts going towards that. Um, and like I said, that in the classic wrestling pay per view coming for April, WrestleMania 17. I'll be excited to talk about that. Considered by many the to be the greatest WrestleMania of all time, and you know, can't really argue against that. But as most people already know, right there, sitting right behind me, WrestleMania 20. That's my all-time favorite. Um. Uh, but it'll still be very exciting to talk about that. And other things that I have coming up, let me look at my little schedule that I have on here. Listed. Yeah, I have a... And I'm going to try to re-record that the Uncharted video game review so I can get that up. I'm still going to do that Sucker Punch podcast that I've been talking about it for months now. And I'm sorry that I haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, and also, the, the book review... For my friend Justin's book, The Cut, I'm going to be doing that one soon. That's going to be my next book review for anyone that is interested in checking that out. And I will have the link to purchase his book on the description for that one as well. Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to do it for here. And I hope you all are doing well, staying safe, taking care of yourselves and your loved ones. Um, I love and appreciate every single one of you. Who have who are watching, listening to my shows and subscribed? And if you're not subscribed already, you know YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Castbox, Radio Public, Breaker, and Anchor. All those are in the description for this. You know, and I I appreciate all the new subscribers that I've gotten recently. And you know, if you're if you're enjoying what I'm doing on here, like I said, just hit me up on my social media. You know, or you can leave a comment on the YouTube video. Any kind of you know, feedback is fine. Positive, negative, indifferent. You know, I, I appreciate all of it. And I love and appreciate every single one of you who do tune in to all of these. I, I know it's been, a, it's been a while since I've... I'm not really doing this every week like I used to. You know, it's just... Work has just gotten so overwhelming in recent weeks. And, yeah, you know, I'm not complaining. I love my job. I really, truly do. Yeah, but it's just, you know, I, I also love all of you, and I want to try to spend more time with all of you. So I'm trying to get some things going over the next few months where I can spend more time with all of you. You know, different ideas and ideas for videos and 
going to try to get into live streaming on YouTube as well. You know, and if you all have any ideas on what I can do for live streams, let me know. Um, this has been the Menetites Podcast. I am Julian. I hope this will save and upload properly. But I'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye.